0: Welcome to A Bevy of Bloods, a fan podcast to the Sydney Swans Football Club. My name's Noddy, joined as always by Stevo, and in this episode number 13, we're going to talk about the game just played against the Blues, a few general topics in the AFL, a quick VFL update, the game ahead against the Saints, and finish off with all of our tips for the rest of the round. So to all you signets and swanlings out there, fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved Bloods. On Sunday, the 30th of May, in front of almost 30,000 people at the SCG, the sixth-place Swans came up against the 12th-place Blues in the Sir Doug Nicholls Indigenous Round. And in a game where the lead changed six times, the Swans kept pace with the Trumpet of Blues for the first three quarters to come home strong in the fourth quarter, establishing a three-goal lead, and end up securing the win by reaching 100 points for the first time since Round 3 by scoring 15, 10, 100 to Carlton's 11, 12, 78. Okay, Steve, first impressions, what did you think of that?
1: Okay, yeah, 100, um, 100 points for the first time since Round 3. I didn't realise that, but that's, um, that's a good score to, to get. And and yeah, you're right, it was, it was tight on the scoreboard the first half, but it was kind of a weird game. Like, I felt like even in the first half, when you know they were dominating quite a bit and there was a couple of points and they got out to some leads, I kind of felt comfortable a lot of the time. I didn't feel too stressed watching the game. Because it kind of felt like we was gonna we were gonna have enough to get over them in the and even if they'd scored 120 points, we would have got 140 points, and and so got it. and look they got the job done. The Swans, as you said, we finished well. We were sixth going into the game; they were 12th, and that's a game we should have won. And like we did against Collingwood, it might not have been spectacular, but we got the job done, and that's a good thing for a developing team to um to be learning how to do is to win when you should win. So I was happy with it. Good result.
0: Yeah, definitely. I was happy too for those reasons. And look, I just loved the I loved everything about this game. Um, pretty pre-match ceremonies, the didgeridoo after the goals, that awesome Guernsey that they've got. Oh man, I love it. We also were treated to an absolutely spectacular sunset behind the members stand. And it was a, a great turnout really for a Sunday Twilight match in, in in not great weather in Sydney. So yeah, it was just a it was a fun day out at the footy, really. Uh Steve, what were your key takeaways, mate?
1: I guess the first thing I was looking at as this, this is halfway through the season. We've we've had eleven out of twenty-two games now, and we've won seven, we've lost four. And if we think back just to last year, um, in the entire of last year, we only won five games. And okay, it was a shorter season; it was seventeen games, not twenty-two. But even if you adjust a seventeen game to a twenty-two game season, that becomes six point five wins. So what that means to me now is that halfway through the season, we've already got, relatively speaking more wins on the board than we had in the whole of last season so I think that's a fantastic step forward for a young team given the expectations we came into this season with to be sitting at seven and four at the halfway point and with a realistic hope of cracking into um to a finals campaign um that's what I took away from this one really good place to be certainly exciting when you think of it like that uh for me it
0: the, the key performances from from three players who all kick three goals each so Heaney Franklin and Papley really really just had fantastic games and we'll talk about them later Um, McKay kicked three goals five behinds of those five behinds three were gettable Um, so had he kicked those had he been straighter um, and you can't put too much pressure on him because he's obviously having a stellar season winning the Coleman at the moment but the game would have been a lot closer and a bit more stressful I think but my other point is um, although he wasn't well, it just isn't as individually dominant. Uh, Cal Sinclair did a pretty good job and basically uh, had an even keel in the, in the clearance and hit-out stats. Yeah. I think he lost the hit-outs by about 14, but really made up that in the, you know, the centre center clearances and, and stoppages around the, ga- the ground. So they were my key takeaways. In terms of the quarter-by-quarter quarter breakdown, we'll just have a quick look at that. Um, the Swanee scored 5-3 to Carlton's 4-3 in the first quarter. In the second quarter, uh, the Carlton Blues got the win there, four goals, two to our 3 1. In the third quarter, uh, the Swans won three goals, two to Carlton's 2 4. And then in the fourth quarter, the Swans won again, four goals, four to Carlton's 1 3. So you can see there in the second half that their accuracy really dropped off. Um, all right, stats, Steve, throw me some numbers.
1: Oh, the first one I've got is a, a number that I was very excited about when I when I saw it at the end of the game was tackles, eighty-two tackles to fifty-three. I mean, that's massive difference. That's plus twenty-nine if I can count right, in tackles. And and what tackle show? It's not just the act of tackling. Tackles are intent. And, and a desire to, to put pressure and to work hard for your teammates to, to win the ball back and make sure that when they get the footy, they're not just um, zipping it out of there and taking it forward. So yeah, the first one for me was the tackle stat, massive tick on the tackles for the Swans this week. And then on the other side, uncontested possessions. We've talked a lot in the past couple of months on this podcast about the importance of uncontested ball and being able to win it on the outside and how that can really show a gap between your opponents. And um, and you actually broke down this, this for me into halves, which was really interesting to look at. Um, In the first half, Uncontestable was dead even. I mean, we're up by one, 89 to 88. So nothing in it at all. In the second half, when we really started to to turn the screws on them and to start to play much better footy, 126 to 70, so plus 56 in uncontested ball. If you do that over the course of a game, it's over 100 difference, and that's massive, and it showed in the way that we played and the way that we were able to take the ball forward and score. So, um, yeah, those two, the tackles and uncontested ball, both really good from the Swans this week. Yeah, I'm going to look at inside
0: 50s. We spoke – or actually, you spoke about inside 50s against um, the Dockers last week and how we just didn't have enough, and I think we responded quite well. We We had 58 to Carlton's 44. Um, so we got 13 more than we did last week and Carlton actually had 25 fewer than Fremantle did. So it was a complete turnaround. We, we really improved in that area. Um, that said, uh, in terms of those in 550s becoming goals, it was about even. So we were 25.9% uh, of our inside 50s became goals and Carlton's um, 25% of those, their 44 inside 50s became goals. So it was basically the same. The difference really, uh, as alluded to earlier, was that we were just more accurate we converted at 60% compared to their 48%. So that's that's what I looked at this week. Um in terms of your favorite moments of the game Steve what
1: were they? Oh I got a couple of this week I got one one on the field and then one um off the field happened in the stands. I'll start with the one on the field. Um this is in the first quarter about uh 5 or so minutes um, to go in the first quarter on the countdown clock and Callum Mills has got the ball about 60 or so out. And Buddy Franklin is leading out on one of these sort of leads that he comes to, you know, expect to mark the ball around about the 50 or so. And then Mills ignores Buddy and instead he kicks the ball to Kennedy who's come through on a lead into the space that's come behind where Buddy Franklin was and then Kennedy takes the mark and goes back and kicks the goal from the set shot. And the thing I really like about this is it shows a maturity in the swans midfield and the way that their players are thinking about delivering the ball it's not just take the franklin option it's take the best option and franklin 50 meters out on the boundary is still not a bad option like we know he dobbs these all the time but um, Josh Kennedy 35 metres out on a better angle is a better option. And so for Mills to have the composure to look past the, you know, one of the greatest goal kickers of all time and put it to a bloke who's coming into a better position, I thought was a really, really good thing um for the team. And it shows also this unselfish role that Franklin is willing to play in the side. You know, one week he kicks six goals, the next week he's happy to lead out so someone can lead in. Whether he did it on purpose, we don't know. Maybe he was expecting to get the kick the whole time. <laughs> but um, and he was and he was and he was fuming at Mills afterwards for not giving it to him. But but at least at least on the telly, it looked good. So that was the one on the field. And then um and then the other one and this has got quite a lot of attention in the media and social media in the last couple of days actually there was a, a point in the um in the third quarter isaac keney kicks his third goal and he boots it up into the stands and then the camera zooms in on this little girl in the crowd you know swans gear with her family and she's got the football and she's holding on to the football doesn't look like she particularly wants to give it back and her mum's taken a photo eventually your dad gets the ball and chucks it back to the um to the to the game and and then the swans went on a bit of a social media campaign. During the week to try and find a little girl, and they did manage to find her. Her name's um, her name's Etta Mason. She's a seven-year-old Swans fan, and they found her and they managed to organise through through the parents to get her off school for the morning. She went out to the Swans training. She um she met Buddy, she met Isaac Heaney, who he kicked the ball up there. She met a bunch of the Swans players, which was fantastic. You can see the videos on the Swans social media. They're all they're all over the place. And another fun little point on that one, actually, the person who caught the ball when it was kicked into the crowd was actually Lynn McGranger, Irene from Home and Away, for those who are familiar, who's been a long-term Swans fan. I think she was even the number one ticket holder at the Swans for a period. Yeah. And yeah. and so she um so she was actually the one who caught the ball and gave it to the little girl in the first place, which I thought it was really cool. Um, yeah, so a little seven-year-old Etta got to go along to Swans training and meet all of her um all of her favorite players and and this I found really interesting. I was thinking about it, and she's seven years old. Buddy Franklin is is coming into his 34th, 35th year, I guess. He's already turned 34. When um when when Buddy Franklin started playing his first senior game of AFL Footy, twenty-four of the current Swans players were seven or younger more than so a the it, it, it,
0: it could have been the, those those guys in the crowd like that absolutely the ball yeah so he would have been
1: yeah, like a young guy in his first year at training when the young girl comes along with the footy and and in all of that time since then yeah 24 blokes on the swans list were seven or under which i thought was was interesting thinking about how you know the the age profile of the team that we've got which is really cool yeah so those were my yeah. moments from the weekend yeah yeah that was
0: awesome i really love that as well uh for me just short and sharp this week Second quarter, Buddy's beautiful body work to hit weedering into Jones and bowl them both over. Two blues, one stone, and then kicked his second. I thought that was just like classic Buddy. Um, a couple of other things, uh, my bro and, and the little kids uh, in front of us screaming Chewy on your boot uh, every time McKay would take a shot and then him <laughs> ended up kicking five behind. So i definitely uh, pay that to them this week. And lastly, Harry Cunningham almost getting guillotined by the banner, and we'll make sure to put a photo up on our um, Facebook and Insta pages, but then him going out and probably having the best game he's ever played. So I, I just thought that was a great turnaround. <laughs> um, it's an awkward photo and it's unfortunate timing because it's like Buddy streaming through and then behind him is is Cunningham sort of getting his head chopped off by this banner that's not breaking properly. But I obviously didn't love that, but I, I, I particularly love the way Cunningham um, played this this round. All right, Stevo, let's get on to the A-Bob medal. So let's hear your best, your five best ones players on the ground using 5 4 3 two, one scoring system, five points being the best. Kick us off, mate.
1: Five are best. Uh, number five, I had Isaac Heaney, best on ground. And then in four votes, Josh Kennedy, three for Harry Cunningham, two for Tom Papley, and one for Jake Lloyd this week.
0: Nice one. I had five for Heaney, four for Cunningham, three for Kennedy, two for Lloyd, and one for Papley. So, mate, we are exactly the same players, just slightly different order here. So why don't we just uh, just have a general chat about the five?
1: Yeah, that us, sounds sounds Isaac, right,
0: yeah. Isaac Heaney, what a game. Oh, Let us know what you think about him.
1: What else do you want from a from a half forward than what he delivered? What, 20-odd touches, something like that, three goals, um, involved in a bunch of our scores, and he's got a presence. I mean, the thing that I really like about Isaac Heaney, and this is why I, I value him as one of the the really top players in the afl when he's not injured because he's had some problems with injury is because there's not many people that um that are in the afl that have got his ability to play like a tall forward with his leap and his anticipation his leading but then also dominate the ball on ground level so he's just so hard to match up on David Teague. They were talking about it. They asked him in the post-match in the, in the press conference after the game about Haney. And Haney's like, and he's like, well, yeah, I mean, who do you put on him? What are you supposed to do? The guy's like, he's got so many weapons that if you cut off one, you're going to expose the other. It's really tough because if you put a tall on him, he dominates him on the ground. You put a small on him, he just toys with him. So, yeah, best on ground by a mile for me.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we'll just... uh Shout out to his uh, at the nickname that, that our group gives him, Isaac the Heat Heaney, Um After <laughs> after a, an interview he gave a couple of years ago, where he said, uh, "Boys just got to bring the heat about a hundred times." So, um, I I know a couple of other Swans fans call him um, Isaac Hangers Heat because he, he he can take absolute hangers and screamers. But yeah, he just had such a fantastic game and just a really balanced game um, for those things you pointed out there. Six inside fifties like as a as a half forward so yeah well yeah, he's okay. he, he's just he's so mobile like he's he, he's not limited to the the forward half of the ground like he he can drift back and help out and yeah he just put it all together I think he kicked one behind uh, as probably his only blemish but that was a left foot snap I think that that behind so you can't be too harsh on the guy because <laughs> he's he's such a a freak everywhere else but yeah
1: and he works. Yeah. Hey, like he's just like, and this is a thing because a lot of his goals, like this week and in previous weeks, always, he often just seems to get that kind of Johnny on the spot pop up in five minutes of space and get a little, little easy one in the forward line. But he only gets that because he runs his guts out to get that separation that his opponent just can't go with him because he's he's blown up ten meters away and then he's in that space. So often it might look like some of his goals are pretty easy goals, but when you're a player like that, um, you know, you're getting paid very close attention. He gets those goals because he works for them. Yeah,
0: I mean, Touchwood, hopefully he can stay injury-free and continue to have, um, you know, as big an impact as he did against the Blues going forward. Um, Harry Cunningham, okay, so I'm, I'm just going to start off with him next because I thought he had a sensational game. And I know I've been a little bit down on him in the past couple of weeks saying, you know, <laughs> he's, he's kicking accuracy and he's clangers and this and that. You're like, shut up, Noddy. Cunners is great. He, 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 he played so well. He had 27 disposals, 10 marks, four tackles, Six rebound fifties. I just thought, yeah, you know, he, yeah, he really was a rock down there, and our back line is, is starting to look very good. Yeah, uh, you know, against the Blues, who have their deficiencies, but it's looking very set down there, wouldn't you say, Steve?
1: Definitely. Maybe he's been listening. Um, maybe he's been having a listen to the podcast, and he's heard this bloke nod that's been not his rocket, him. yeah. <laughs> He's like, who who does this bloke think he is? I'll show him exactly who's a good footballer and he's taking it to town. So maybe we should just, who should we stir up this week to try and get a good game out of them? It didn't work with Blakey. So at least it worked with Harry. Um, No, look, and, and I've like, I, I really like the way he is as a player. And I think he's very important to our back line. Cause I always think of a back line as like a back six or seven and the way that they relate to each other. And I think he's a very important part of the functioning of that defensive unit in, even if he's not, playing like a superstar every week. And this week he played like a superstar. So, you know, even better. <laughs> so yeah, 27 touches, 10 marks. He killed a bunch of intercepts. He was And Eddie Betts, he was playing on him for most of the game. Eddie yeah. got a couple of goals yeah. and that was it. Like he he had a minimal impact really besides that one really good early goal. And I think he got one other goal, but he, well, he wasn't a dominant force on the field and Cunningham was. So, you know, well done.
0: And it was interesting to hear that audio um, picked up where he um... – he gave away the free kick to Bets. I think it was in the second, maybe second quarter, and it was it was deemed holding, so it was a downfield penalty. Um, but you could hear him say, "For what?" He's a hundred. The ball's a hundred meters away. So I just like that he was, um, yeah, a little bit cheeky. To, he doesn't really have that image. He's sort of almost squeaky clean, isn't he? But um, I just thought, yeah, he was. He he unleashed that game, and it was great to see. Yeah, yeah but, that's um, right.
1: That was his second. That was Bets's other goal. Was for that really really soft free kick.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, they, come
1: on, So, Betts got one goal. He didn't even get to that, that second. No. Was, come on. Yeah.
0: And just, I'll just spend a couple more seconds on that first goal. It was one of the best goals I've ever seen. Yeah. That one handed grab and just from the boundary, it was just vintage bets. And it was just like, I think we all looked at each other and stood up and just clapped. It was so good. But um, anyway, yeah, probably enough about Cunners there. All right. Uh, Joey, Josh Kennedy. Um, yeah, I picked him third. You had him at second. So why don't you uh, tee off there, mate, with why Joey was so good?
1: I mean, he's, he's he's a very consistent player, Kennedy. I think he gives you pretty much the same through the midfield every week. And he's always in our best, you know, five to 10 players almost every week. Um, and this week, he did the extra he hit the scoreboard so he kicked two goals and when you've got a midfield player who's that strong consistent who's also hitting the scoreboard um, I think that becomes a very very good game so that's why I had him so high up was his scoreboard impact in addition to his regular midfield contribution yeah same the guy had 10 tackles so add, add to everything you just said
0: there and throwing 10 tackles as a player who's probably in the last few years of, of his career um, and to kick those two goals yeah just it was just a very Key performance, I thought. Um, yeah, so Joey got in there for me. All right, we had Lloyd and Papley to finish off, mate. So why don't we kick off with Lloydy there?
1: I think Lloyd's become, um, I mean, in the last couple of weeks, he's really come into a good vein of form and he continued it on. I mean, he's he's playing with, with real good confidence across the back line. He's distributing the ball really, really well. And he's um, he's just continuing on. Like This is what we were getting out of him every week you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago, last week, year before when he was winning his best and fairest and he's back into that level. And yeah, it doesn't look like dropping off, which is really good for our back line. If he's, if he's on form, it's really good for us. Yeah, you
0: just feel, you feel like things are safer when he's down there and, and it's not just his foot use. You know, he, he, again, for probably second or third round in a row, I've really noticed his um, spoiling. He can come in and, and, and slot in before McCartan or Rampy, who's marking up on the tall and then and come in and just spoil it as a strategic out. And I just think that that kind of, kind of thing, I know, I know he's always been able to do it, but um, it's really come to the fore in the last couple of weeks. And yeah, I just think he yeah, continues to be that sort of pillar down in the back line for us. Tommy Papley, okay, well, there's three goals all in the fourth quarter, am I right? Certainly in the second half. You yeah. had a quiet first half and, and then really came to light in the second. Um, he was one of the reasons we got over the line, basically.
1: Absolutely. He um in that second half, he he really had a presence in the forward line, and and he's one of these guys who doesn't even have to be touching the ball to be making stuff happen. Like the the energy that he brings to a contest and the way that he positions himself that will bring other people into it, so that our forward line is functioning on a higher, like more alert, zippy level when he's up and about. I think so. His impact around the contest, especially in that second half, was what got him votes for me. Yeah. Nice.
0: Awesome. All right, I'm going to give a quick update about our AFL fantasy team—a bevy of bloods consisting solely of current Swans plus a few ex-Swans to help us out with injury cover. In Round 11, a Bob scored 1,592 points and ranked 61,622nd, which leaves us sitting 67,836th overall. It's about a 2,000 uh, place improvement on last week. Uh, top five uh, scores of the game four again. This is like three or four weeks in a row. Four of the top five scores of the game were Swannies. The highest scoring blue was Cripps on 120. And might I just add, he was nicely helped by some of that terrible umpiring to gift him some goals. Uh, His 120 was the second highest of the game. The top five Swans were Heat, Isaac the Heat, Heaney on 135, Cunningham on 115, Kennedy on 105, Lloyd on 104. And I've realized I've missed out the fifth person here. I believe it was... Take a guess, steve
1: who, who was our fifth? Uh, I mean, yeah, because this it's tough, isn't it? Because fantasy points value certain types of stats more. Like tackles are worth a lot. I'm going to say Kennedy because he had a lot of oh, – you've got him there already. <laughs> Forget okay. about that. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Who else gets the ball a lot in the back? Uh, Dawson gets a lot of kicks. Is it Dawson? Uh, no, it's Millsy, uh,
0: is, who, who also had a very good game when we left out of the – probably to be called the Callum Mills medal, but uh, it's nice to share the love. So Millsy was the fifth highest scoring swan there with 100 points. So I had him as captain, got his 200, just banked that every week. He's playing so well. Uh, The pros this week was, was the Heat's 135, massive score. That was the sixth highest score of all players in the AFL for that round. Dawson's four frees against him cost him 12 points on his eventual 87. So he would have had 99 adjusted. And some of those, I think, were a bit hard. I know the crowd was going nuts at the uh, in the back call. And again, it was crips for most of them. So either he plays it well or Dawson's got to fix his tackle technique. But um, yeah, look, that, that that was really it for me in terms of cons. Um, I did forget to bring McInerney in off the bench for Blakey and missed out on his 62 points. So that's a complete rookie error on my behalf. Apologies all around. Uh, trades next week. Uh, I'm going to bring Hickey back in, fingers crossed. Um, that his knee is okay, uh, had a Marty uh, starting even though he wasn't named. so I just got to remember I certainly have to remember to bring Hickey in for Amadi. All right, um, Just a quick VFL update here, Steve. Do you want to run us through this mate?
1: Yeah, and it's a very quick VFL update because there's no VFL at the moment. Um, last week we had no VFL because of the COVID situation in Victoria. So those games were canceled. The Swans were able to play, I I heard or read somewhere, they played some sort of scratch match with some of the other um, AFL reserves players who happened to be in Sydney playing their COVID-affected fixtures, like maybe the the Richmond players and perhaps some of the Carlton guys, I'm not sure. But they got some sort of run. It was nothing official. Um and then this week is the same. We don't know what's going to happen. There's no there's no VFL fixtures as such, at least this week. And we're just waiting to see how things all progress with the with the COVID stuff in Victoria. Hopefully, hopefully soon things can get better and we can get back to some some VFL footing because yeah it's tough for the players who are trying to stake a claim that they're not getting footy. So, yeah, fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, that's like uh, last year all over again, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. yeah, hope, hope, th- hope things improve and, um, you know, obviously hope COVID settles down as well. All right, segment two, AFL Hot Topics. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to have a quick chat about a few things going on in the AFL. Let's start off with the MRO. And, Steve, I'll just I'll get through this one real quick. Uh, Mills and Wicks both got fines, one for striking, the other for misconduct. Both are, are clear to play. Um, I think Buddy, uh, the incident on Newman, uh, had a look at, but it was deemed insufficient force, so no action was taken. So that was the extent of the MRO for the Swans there. All right, uh, next is the mid-season draft. Okay, so that's a big topic. It's happening, I believe, tonight. Uh, We're recording early on Wednesday morning. Um, So talk us through that, steve Where are we sitting? I know we've got one pick, but what number does it sit at currently?
1: Um, We're going to have 12 in the mid-season draft and I mean for those who aren't familiar this is something which has only come along in the last couple of years they didn't do it last year because of the COVID season and the the hubs and everything and it was um it was all over the place and reduced lists and payments and whatever so they didn't do it last year they did it the year before and to be eligible for the mid-season draft you have to have been either a delisted player from another club you can't be delisted from your own club and get picked up back again so, you got to be delisted from your own club, or you have to have been passed over in the previous year's draft. So, that means you have to have nominated it's not enough that you were eligible for the draft as far as I understand, you have to have actually nominated and, and no one wanted you. And so those are the players who are eligible. The clubs who are able to take people are clubs who have a spot on their list either because they have left it open from the beginning of the year or because someone has become injured like Hurley for example at Essendon has gone onto their long-term injury list now cause he's got hip problems and he's not, not gonna play the rest of the year. So they've got a spot because he's off the list. So the Swans have one spot. So there's three or four clubs that don't have a pick at all. I think, um, I think it was it West Coast, Geelong, Fremantle. I can't remember. There's a couple of other clubs who won't take anyone. Swans have space for one player and that will be pick 12. Um, the question is, do we use the pick? Because we're not obliged to that no one, it's not like the national draft. We have to take three picks. You don't have to use the pick if you don't want. So do you reckon we'll use the pick? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah.
0: I, look, I, I think we do. I think, you know, obviously a lot's been made of Patty McCartan coming to Sydney and you know, should, um, I guess short of his brain fade where he, he decked that cats player and he's, he's gotten the five or six game ban, He was tracking pretty well. I think, you know, he was showing like, he's, he's probably able to match it at AFL level, like the, in terms of the concussion issues. So uh, if you break it down, here's a question for you, Steve, what, what position or what line requires additional depth currently?
1: Yeah, we talked opinion? about, we talked about this a little bit and I mean, I, I don't know. It, because the, the thing with this draft is that we don't need to take someone. Um, and anyone who we do bring on the list, if we don't end up thinking we need them, either we have to delist them or, um, or I guess, offer them a further contract. They're the two options, right? And yeah. you can take someone either for a six-month contract now, or then I think you can also take someone for 18 months. Like, you can negotiate the contract forward. So if we take a person on a six-month contract, I don't see anyone breaking into our best 22 given the depth that we have at the moment. So you have to think about what type of player we would even bring in. It's going to be someone we want a bit more long term like expect to be playing into next year and become part of the squad. So it's it's not going to be a short fix player like a lot of teams will want, especially the weaker teams will probably want a short fix, like a short term fix. And that's why someone like McCartan makes sense to me because he fits that. Like he's someone who we probably don't expect to play this year but we'd like to keep him in the system and and, and recognise that um, that he's someone we want to put some faith into. And then, you know, why not give him an 18-month contract and give him the security to then, you know, really have a crack at making it in footy again now that it's clear that his health isn't going to be a, a barrier to him playing. And, and then, yeah, I guess it comes back to the forward line. I mean, we're going to lose Franklin soon enough. He's not going to play forever. We'd love him to. He probably could. He probably would, but <laughs> he, um, he's not. He won't. <laughs> we, we know for a fact that he will not. Um, so yeah, maybe like a big forward who could also play as a as an extra big defender if we do need to to throw an extra big body back there. Someone like McCartan would would suit our list because I think midfielders were pretty well stocked. Our defence, like you've said, we were chatting before. Also, um, yeah, why not give Patty McCartner? crack at it really i think he'd be a good choice yeah. yeah i think that's that's what
0: it's looking like and i think the the afl you know the the media they've they've sort of linked no one else has been linked to patty so no one else is um you know thinking to to take him before we have a shot at him so but that said that doesn't mean that they, he might not be in their calculation so there's a couple of other tall forwards i think um in the mix um there's that young tassie bloke jackson callow who i like to look at the end of last year and I think is it Jacob Edwards? He's touted to go to North. Um, mm, yeah. He's like a ruck ruck forward, which is crazy because they they didn't go for Logan McDonald last year. But yeah. you know, <laughs> each, each to each to their own. But yeah, I think you're right. Like if you give him a eighteen month contract, that gives him time to settle back into the system, get fit, and then there's that smooth transition for when Buddy goes. And then the forward line, as we've spoken about and been a bit bullish on, is that McDonald McLean. McCartan sort of thing so um, yeah but you know we'll, we'll wait and see obviously they left a spot open um, you would think for Paddy but let's wait and see what happens and uh, we'll give you an update on that next week once we know tonight um, lastly very quickly Jack Riewoldt's mark alright a lot of, <laughs> lot of chat about this during the week Steve-O I'm just going to come out with my opinion it was a very good mark in, in the context of current marks it, isn't, it should not be up there in terms of the greatest mark ever
1: your your thoughts? Yeah, I'll second that. I I don't think I have much else to add. It was a great mark. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't want to take anything away from him, but it's yeah, it's not one that should be in greatest of all time calculations. I don't think. I was I was somewhat offended that that that, <laughs> that it became that, and
0: I was I, I texted you. And I was like, this is this has gotten out of control. They're now <laughs> saying it's like one of the best ever. So you know, I mean, there's a lot of very good marks over the years, and although Jack's mark was courageous drifting back and then got some elevation. It was quite cool to watch, especially in slow-mo, but yeah, look, there's way better. I, I thought Shay Bolton's mark was was way better and that was just a couple of rounds ago.
1: Yeah. And I thought from the, the um, same team, the what do you call it? Cause if you think of like, cause there's, there's really two kinds of marks, isn't there? There's like, there's the, there's the running back with the flight courageous into you know who knows what's going to hit me type mark and And then there's the the high flyer which is like the the get up on the shoulders and jump and and i guess the thing that a lot of people like about this and that i like too about this recent one by jack revolt is that it's got a little bit of both in it because he's coming back and then he does kind of get a bit of a rise on the bloke's chest or shoulder however he gets up there but to me, like it, in the category of those courageous running back with the flight ones, I I much prefer the famous Jonathan Brown one, and I much prefer the famous Nick Revot one, which was at the SCG actually against the Swans back in two thousand three yeah. or four or five or something, um, and the John o. Brown one was around the same time. I like those because they happened at speed, and and there, there was a real sort of feeling of um of risk about them somehow. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it. If oh, you know. definite
0: risk yeah. because like. They- could have absolutely smashed themselves because they yeah. weren't. They only had eyes on the footy and running back into like two or three players. Like yeah that was, could have been a bloodbath. Really,
1: weren't they? They were dumb. Yeah. To do and and yeah. actually, honestly, these days you probably wouldn't coach players to go for those marks anymore because of the risk to their their bodies and their heads and their necks and stuff. Yeah. You probably actually tell them, you know what, back out of that. No one's gonna think any worse of you if you don't go for that because it's incredibly dangerous. But this was early, this is 20 years ago almost, and the mentality around footy was different then and now there's much more focus. Like when we coach blokes, like in, in, in Finland I'm coaching footy here, um as as those who listen know. And um we coach blokes to, you know, be courageous go hard at the ball but if it's reckless and potentially dangerous to yourself or someone else then no one's going to think any less of you if you back out of it and you know those those marks could have gone badly the revolt the first revolt one and the and the John O'Brien one they could have ended very badly so just glad they didn't yeah well mate I I didn't
0: take many marks in my two, two game career so <laughs> uh, and this the second game is an AFL 9s game so you and on Dimahemi in the first 5 minutes so I could can't really I had a one game career and Look, I had a few touches, but yeah, certainly no <laughs> drifting back with the flight of the ball for a courageous mark. But yeah, look, have you got anything to add in this section before we move on steve debate?
1: I guess this is one thing that we should bring up just because it's having such an impact on footy at the moment. In and and listeners abroad might not be as aware, and and we do have quite a few listeners outside of Australia might not be as acutely aware at least of the situation in Victoria with the COVID lockdown. There's been an increase in COVID cases in Victoria. So the Victorian government has put the entire state of Victoria really onto a lockdown until they can get the situation under control again. So that's had a massive effect on the AFL and where games are played and how teams can move around the country because the the flow on effect from the Victoria lockdown is state borders are being closed. And at the moment, the New South Wales border remains open as far as i if i'm up to date and that means that they can play a lot of games in sydney at the moment so i think half the games this week which we'll talk about later on are in sydney so if you're wondering why half the games are at the scg this week it's because of that you know um and we don't really know when it's going to finish the victoria lockdown may end on thursday it may be extended we don't know and we just have to play it by you and keep you updated as we go forward yeah last year
0: obviously queensland helped the afl out by uh pretty much opening its doors for business and had those hubs up there and play the grand final there obviously you know all things going well in new south wales sydney can obviously do the same so who knows there might be two non-victorian grand finals in in a row that would certainly shake the establishment but um no it'd be wonderful i
1: mean all all (laughs) things considered like obviously we want the health situation to resolve itself but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if we played the second grand final in a row outside of melbourne what maybe we could the world could learn that it's not the end of the world
0: yeah it'd be a second credible example
1: of, <laughs> that life goes on if yeah. the
0: grand final isn't at the ncg
1: uh, life did yeah. go on didn't it after um after the grand final last year the the sun came up the next day didn't it october 24th or yeah. whenever it was yeah it, it depends go.
0: which victoria it depends which victorian you ask but uh yeah not if you're a joan last...
1: fan maybe not
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just lastly, steve um just a quick buddy uh, goal uh, update. Yeah. So at the end of round 10, he was 9.63, uh, kicking three against the Blues. He's now 9.66. So he is five goals away to overtake Jack Titus's 9.70 and needs 34 more for the, the magical 1,000. Um, so still on track uh, and hopefully he can stay in, uh, you know, health. Uh, for that. All right, let's move on to the round ahead preview. In this last segment, we're going to focus on three games. Most importantly, this one is next game. Then two other games of interest, one introduced by Stevo and the other by me. After that, we'll finish off with our tips for the rest of the round. So game two of round 12 is a now home game for the sixth place Bloods taking place this Saturday, the 5th of June at the SCG in Sydney due to COVID rescheduling against the 12th place St Kilda Saints with first bounce at 1.45 p.m. local Sydney time. All right, Steve-O, against the Blues, did we suffer any injuries? How are we looking?
1: Um, nothing new from that game. Looking pretty good, actually. The the injury front in general is looking pretty good for the Swans at the moment, so there'll be no forced outs, at least, for yeah, okay. the injuries.
0: That's great. I know that Buddy um, had a bit of a knock in the opening moments of the fourth quarter, but played on, so I think... Hopefully, uh, he'll be okay. All right, so if we have got players like Hickey and Fox um, fit and expected to return, who makes way?
1: Yeah, and those would be the two, wouldn't it? I mean, you think of the ones who are coming back from injury, they're the ones who are both fit to come back in and you would think would come back into the side. I mean, I think Hickey in for Sinclair is is obvious. I don't think anyone would disagree on that. Um, Hickey is you know, one of the former ruckmen of the comp for the whole season so far. And then I'd say Fox in for Brand. I think um, he was all right, Brand. Like, he didn't do anything wrong, but I'd prefer Fox in to Brand.
0: Yeah, I mean, Brand, Brand did well. I think it's his second game of the year. I think he played in the Suns game, if I'm remembering correctly. And, like, he's a tall unit. He's our tallest back. He's 198 centimetres. But he, he almost doesn't really play very tall, does he? I know he can mark up, but he sort of drifts and and he sort of plays very similarly to McCartan and, and Rampy, And obviously those guys have been able to get it done. So I thought we'd brought him in for a bit of extra height to help deal with McKay. But um yeah, look, I think he'd probably feel a bit stiff getting dropped because he did absolutely nothing wrong and played quite a good game. But yeah, Fox is similarly had a had a great preseason, has just been set back with the finger and the and that um freak eye. So we'll leave it in the hands of the, the Swans gods. But um on behalf of the Swans fans out there on Facebook and, and social media. Dylan Stevens, Hayden McLean, obviously didn't have their best games. I'd keep them both in. How do you see
1: it, mate? Absolutely. I think Stevens, I'd just like to see him get a, and we said this before as well, um, just, just a run of, you know, three or four games just to get a bit of confidence of what it's like playing footy at AFL level, the extra pace of the game, get a bit of confidence, get his hands on the footy. The other trouble at the moment is there's no VFL footy. There's just these scratch matches. So if you dropped a player like Stevens now, it would probably be to send him back to get a bit of um, a bit of the footy and, you know, get his 35 touches, get his confidence, and then come back after he's worked on some stuff. But there's not really a chance to do that right now. So why not work on it in the ones? Because there's no really anyone. But if you dropped him, who would you bring in? I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know who i would bring him in. I Blakey. wouldn't bring Blakey yeah. back in. Yeah,
0: and I, <laughs> Yeah, Lewis Taylor was the medical sub, so... Look, he he he'd been playing probably as well consistently as Dylan Stevens. I mean, we have to remember Dylan Stevens had a thirty-seven goal, uh, sorry, th- goal, thirty-seven touch game to bring him back into the seniors. So he was in VFL form. And that's why he made his way back into the team. It's just he, he he needs a run at it. He just needs a run at it. He needs to know that even though he's a bit lighter than players, he's not gonna you know he's not gonna get crushed. Um, I just, yeah, I just think we need to keep him in there. Just keep him working, getting confidence, and should be fine. Hayden McLean, um, for the reasons you said, no VFL. I don't know if we if you bring Amadi or McDonald in at this point, but uh, I mean, McLean had an okay game. He took that one contested mark at the end and then kicked it behind, hit the post. But otherwise, I thought had a pretty. He played a good role. So I don't know, Amadi or McDonald in for McLean, Stevo. Uh,
1: I'd, I'd keep McLean in there as well. Actually, I mean, I'm I'm reluctant to drop players generally unless and and especially if they're younger ones and they're trying to develop and learn the game unless there's a reason to drop them and we don't know exactly what the coaches want out of these guys each week and what sort of things they're asking them to do and what they need to work on but like from a perspective watching on the telly I I would keep McLean in there unless he either dropped off considerably or they had one of these other blokes you mentioned McDonald or or Amadi really really busting the door down to get in there
0: Awesome. Well, as always, looking forward to team announcements uh, on Thursday night. So looking forward to that. In terms of St Kilda, um, according to the AFL uh, website, looks like Saints reported no injuries after their win against the Roos last week. Um, But they're not expecting their missing guns back uh, either in Carlisle, Gresham, Hennebury, Jones and Marshall. And let's face it, they're all big outs. um, So we won't take anything away from the Saints there. Um, in terms of performance predictions, okay, so which Swanee do we see flying high and why, Stevo?
1: right. I, um, I had Papley last week. I went for Papley and he, I said I wanted three goals and I'm just going to stick on Papley. I think when you're on a winner, you, you keep backing them and I'm going to go for Papley to kick another three. He's my <laughs> one for this week. I'm just gonna nice. going to keep going until he stops kicking goals and I'll pick someone else. <laughs> well, you were a buddy the week before
0: that. And yeah. He, yeah. He, came, he came through for you, so... I picked Wicks last week. I wanted him to bounce back and, and kick a couple of goals. He kicked one goal, two behind. So he was active. He wasn't far off. Um, but he was, he was certainly much livelier than round 10. This week, um, I want to see Rowie and Warner kick a couple each because they've been thereabouts. So Warner's had a, a few quiet, well, I mean, relatively speaking, quiet weeks. But Rowie's getting the job done. I think he's our highest tackler. He had like 10 or 11 against the Blues as well. But the one thing that's missing from them in the past couple of weeks is, is drifting forward and, and, and kicking a goal. So I'd be happy with one each. I'd be over the moon with two each. But, yeah, and Warner, again, probably could have kicked a goal from 50 last week, but he was looking for the um, the, the selfless option. So that's my prediction there. All right, in terms of St Kilda, which players do we need to be wary of?
1: Um, the one I've got is Tim Membre. He's one that, I mean, he's, he's in a team that's got some bigger names around him. Tim Bembray, um, those who might not remember, played for the Swans briefly at the beginning of his career and then was sort of struggling to establish himself at Sydney. And he's gone to St Kilda, he's really made a go of it. He's a very, very strong forward. He's, he's not amazingly tall. He's less than 190, I think, or around about 190. He's not a big, big forward, but he plays like one and he has the presence of one. He's a really hard worker. He scores goals. He's a good kick for goal. And he has a really good impact with and without the ball. And he's willing to really work up the field to help out too when he needs to. So Tim Membre is one, I think. And it'll be interesting to see who they play on him, whether Rampy goes with him given his size. I'm not sure how McCartan would go against Membre. We'll, we'll see who they, who they go with. They could even go with Hewitt because
0: I, I, think, mm. I think he's 100, 188 centimetres, if I'm right, and... Hewitt's 187, so... yeah. At yeah least when it, he's working up the
1: field, yeah. Like when, when Membre works up the field, someone like that, and then maybe swap over to someone else as he gets closer to the goal square or something like that and, and sort of um, yeah, have multiple guys work off him. But he's a good player. Because obviously,
0: yeah, there's Max King as well, obviously, who I think you were alluding to, the bigger name, and he's taller, but, you know, he doesn't have that presence that um, Harry McKay has. So, yeah, obviously one to look out for. But for me, um, it's Jack Steele. He's the Saints' best and fairest winner last year. He's an absolute jet, and he's the kind of guy that can carry the Saints on the back of his own performance. So I think um, we'll probably have Millsy line up against him, I'm guessing, to start with, and then run Rowie and Warner on on through him. And if he's running away from it uh, from us, that obviously put a bit of um, individual pressure on him there. So those players are the ones we need to look out for. All right, in terms of what we need to do to win, what do we need to do to get a victory here, steve
1: I think it's not let them get a sniff. They're a side that struggled this year and they're a side that's coming with a lot of expectation and they're not a bad bunch. I mean, they've got some very, very good players and like they're not terrible. Last year they made finals and they won a final even last year, if I remember right. And um, we can't let them get a couple of goals and then get a bit of a uh, bit of confidence and think, you know what, we're on for one here and and really put it to us. So really pressure them out of it and they can look good when they get the ball on the outside we don't want to let them get it out there. We want them to be chasing us from the start. So really, you know, working the tackle game, getting that uncontested ball, the uncontested marks, what we've been doing really well when we play well. And if we can do that again, I think that we should be able to beat them, but there's no easy games in the AFL this year. And we've found that out the hard way and we don't want this to be one that we drop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's first versus fifth
0: in tackles. So the Swans are coming first in the league for tackles and the Saints fifth. So it should be a high pressure game. Um, so we need to keep up that level of tackle pressure, maintain that similar amount of inside fifties, as well as that conversion, limit the influences of, of those tools like Membry and Max King, um, so that they can't get it to those dangerous smalls that they have around them in Higgins, Butler and Billings, et cetera. Um, I think Lonnie was dropped, so he, he may be back in, I'm not sure, but, um, they certainly have the, you know, the, the personnel there to get the job done. And they are under a bit of pressure, um, themselves with their own performances, um, but yeah, we, I think if we can do that, we should hopefully come away with a win. But let's have a look at the win-loss and the last five and the previous five. So uh, the Swannies are running seven and four, as we've alluded to. The Saints are five and six. The Swans have then uh, the last five, win-loss, win-loss, win. And the Saints have win-win, loss-loss, win. In our previous five encounters, uh, St Kilda beat us last year in that COVID year by 53 points. It was a bit of a Bit of a hammering, but prior to that, for the, the prior four games, the Swans have beaten the Saints, uh, and that's at the SCG at the, at Marvels at the SCG and at Marvel, and it by quite a number. So, forty five points uh, winning margin, seventy one point winning margin, forty two point winning margin, fifty point winning margin. Obviously, the Saints in the past couple of years have restructured their list and brought in those ready made players uh, in the vein of well, Ryder um, Hill. Crouch, our uh, Hennebury, um, our Zach Jones. So, like, they they do have that. I think they thought they would be having a crack a bit more regularly than they have this year, but they're still a danger team for sure, I think, regardless of them sitting where they are in the ladder. Um, with all this in mind, Steve-O, oh, sorry, I will, I will just say the Saints in recent game, they've had four games of 50-plus point defence this year. So the Bombers beat them by 75, the Tigers beat them by 86, Port beat them by 54, and the dogs smashed them by 111. So, when they start to lose, they really can lose. I'm not suggesting that we we will be able to do that, but they're a team that you know when they don't get their things right, they can um, implode. And I think that's why they've been under scrutiny from um, you know the media and their own fans to an extent. But with all that in mind, Stevo, who are you tipping?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't I looked back at the um at the past results. So I mean history tells us if, if we stick to history, it's not going to be close. No matter what happens, it won't be close. Because mm. the closest margin in the last five games has been forty two points. Wow. Um, yeah. I reckon the Swans are gonna win and and I think that I, I mean I'm actually gonna be confident this week and I reckon that we're gonna win by, you know, four or five goals or even a bit more. I reckon we're gonna have a decent win. Well, I mean, I'm
0: picking the Swans, but with less confidence, as always. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that we can string two wins together. And As you're saying, if we can pick up the Saints this week and then the Hawks next week, and, and we'll, we'll be perfectly primed for the second half of the year. So, all right, uh, Steve-O, if a group of Swans is called a bevy, then what is a group of Saints
1: called? Uh, this one was unanimous. Everywhere I looked, said that a group of saints is a communion of saints. So that's what we're going to go with, I think, because there was nothing else contradicting it. Well, I mean, if that's what we've got, that's what we've got. So
0: you know, I guess that's that religious sort of.
1: Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't really know what it means, but that's what it's said on the internet. So communion. I
0: think they'll need to to draw on a higher power if they're going to uh, improve their season and, and then also win. Cause they're that. that's the other thing. I think the D's are currently the longest flag drought, but in number two are the saints. Oh, so true. yeah. So there, yeah. yeah, there's a lot, a lot of pressure on these guys, you know, so especially, you know, Ratten, Ratten is a fantastic coach, uh, ex-player um, you know, they've, they've got most of the pieces in line, a few key, key injuries, as we mentioned before, but um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of expectation on these guys and um yeah, it's going to be a hard game, but yeah, I'm hoping the Swans get the job done. All right, next up, we're going to have a look at a couple of games of interest in this round as well. And I think chronologically, steve you're before me. So do you want to take the reins here, mate?
1: Okay. Yeah, I've got Melbourne and Brisbane this week. So Melbourne's first on the ladder, Brisbane's third. It's going to be on Friday night at Homebush. This is one of those um, one of those COVID, the, one of the Victoria lockdown-affected games. That we mentioned before, so it's going to be played out at Homebush in Sydney at the at the Giants Stadium where the Giants normally play um, on Friday night. And look, I mean, it's it's a absolutely um, enticing matchup, isn't it? It's first versus third. I think this is probably the most exciting game of the year because these are the two teams, in my opinion at least, who are the the best teams. Even though Brisbane's currently third, these are my two picks for the for the grand final. So. This could be a bit of a grand final preview we'll see and I'm, I'm really excited for this one um in terms of ins and outs for the teams uh langdon from melbourne got concussed so he's going to miss on the 12-day concussion protocol who they bring in i'm not sure brown um ben brown the forward that they brought in from north at the start of this year he's been playing in the vfl um, maybe they bring him in and they rejig their structure a bit um we'll see what they do there but we'll find out on thursday i guess when the teams come in but um, Brown is is my guess. And then for Brisbane, um, uh, Ryan Lester is looking set to come back to bolster their back line, which will be helpful for them. And there's whispers at least that Lockie Neal might even be ready to come back, um, which would certainly help them out. So in terms of form, I mean, the Lions have won their last seven in a row. They've lost to the swans, the cats and the dogs, and that's it. Um, and none of those are shameful losses Two are top two teams and one's sixth place, which is the Swans. And Melbourne won nine in a row, lost to the Crows by a point and then they beat the Dogs. So you couldn't get two teams with better lines of form, really. Um, who's gonna, gonna be important for them? I think Brisbane, their midfield. I've talked a lot about um, Brisbane's forwards every time I preview Brisbane, but this time I wanna talk about some of their midfield and their ball winners. We've got Zorko, McCluggage, Lyons, Robinson, all really, really good players. You can throw Neil back into that mix then they're very, very um, menacing-looking midfield. Um, Melbourne, I'm, I'm interested in how their, their non-star players are going to go. Um, Oliver, Petrarca, May, Gorn, Lever, all of these are absolutely elite footballers, and we know this. And every week that Melbourne plays well, they're delivering and playing really well. They're always in the best. And the best last week, those five were like five of their six best players. So I'm interested to see how the um, the next tier of Melbourne players go. They're sort of role players Stand up when they come up against a Brisbane team who's um, who's going to be able to match their guns, gun for gun. Um, as for who wins, I think that Brisbane are tough enough and smart enough and well coached enough to find a way through the Melbourne defence. It's going to be a really interesting test for how that goes. So I'm going to going to say that um, that Brisbane should be able to do it. And one other thing which I found interesting. Brisbane have got four players in their best 22 whose names are Mc. We've got McStay, McLuggage, Mc- McInerney, and McCarthy. And there's a bloke called McFadden on their reserves list as well. The Swans have got four. But Brisbane have got five. If we bring McCartan in the mid-season draft, we'll also have five. So when we get to play them again, we can get some bloody McDonald's sponsorship or, or some, um, as <laughs> you, if they are sponsored you actually, the footy.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you know it, when the Swans win, you're you're able to get a free Big Mac the next month, the next day, or the, I think the next mon- Monday or something. I've never taken them up on that offer, but that. I'm pretty sure that still stands.
1: Do you reckon it works in Finland? I could go into McDonald's here, and we've got McDonald's in Finland. There's one not far from my place. I could go and hit him up. I'll tell him I'm a Swans member. I am. I am a Swans member. It's not even a lie. Um, it might be geographically limited might, and it might the be local local. <laughs> local you know, only. The, lo- <laughs> the local McDonald's staff in your know, uh, Finland store but, will be but,
0: like, "Who is this dude?"
1: Well, <laughs> anyway, I, I I hope there's a good crowd comes out to Homewish to see what will be a great game. I'm going to go for the Brisbane McLions to defeat Melbourne. What do you reckon?
0: I'm going to go the Ds to keep it interesting. It's, okay. It's, going to, it's hard for me to pick, but I think it's going to be a great game, as you've said. All right, mate. I'm going to look at the ninth-placed Essendon Bombers versus the eighth-placed Richmond Tigers at Optus Stadium in Perth um, as part of a COVID reschedule. Saturday, the 5th of June from 5.40 p.m. local time, 7.40 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Essendon had no injuries after their big win against West Coast last round. Uh, It's looking like Aaron Francis is coming back in for Zerk Thatcher. Hurley, as you mentioned, has been placed on the inactive list because of his um, ongoing hip infection issues. Um, So that gives him another spot there. And and I hear that Sam Draper is close, who I think is a a very exciting up-and-coming young Ruckman. For Richmond, they obviously had that big out, I think, uh, last week or the week before Tom Lynch. Uh, But uh, Rewald got the job done against Adelaide there, so they can cover that. Sounds like Nan Curvis has done his PCL, so he'll be out. So I think they have Choll and Coleman Jones to cover that. Edwards, I think, is coming back in potentially as well after his ankle, um, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Caddy's looking good, so he'll probably hold. Asprey is still out. So there's a couple of, couple. there's probably more transition for the Tigers team than there is the Bombers. In terms of the recent form, uh, Bombers are. Loss, loss, win, win, win. And they are sitting five wins and six losses. And Richmond are win, loss, win, loss, win, which is the same as us, I think. Uh, And they are sitting six wins and five losses. In terms of key players for both teams, Stringer, Tipper, Parrish, Merritt, Cox and Hind are all having great seasons and really are the backbone, the reason why the Bombers are putting some form together. For the Tigers, it's the similar Similar, uh, was it, usual suspects. I'll say Rewalt, Dusty, Bolton, Cochin, Blaston, Hawley. Um, in terms of a few comments for both teams, this is technically an Essendon home game. Um, and after their win against the Eagles in Perth, which we both incorrectly tipped, um, maybe the Bombers should put, you know, petition to the AFL to make Optus their stadium. I think we mentioned that <laughs> after Buddy Kick 6 against the Dockers, but... Yeah, it sounds like the Bombers play there as well. So, look, if if Sam Draper does come back in, I'm going to say that I think it's going to be very hard for the Tigers to win. Because I think, you know, with Nank out and second-rate, well, I don't want to take anything away from Choll or CJ, but without a second-rate, oh, sorry, first-rate ruck, I think, you know, the Bombers midfield of Parish, Merritt, um, <clears throat> McGrath as well, if, if you drift through there, it's just going to be too hard for the Tigers to hold on to. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Rewald took that mark and, and, and played a, a very good individual game against the Crows last week, uh, but he's going to need a lot more players from uh, the players around him to be able to withstand that red-hot bombers. Um, a few stats. Uh, we're looking at the fifth place versus 14th place uh, for disposals. I'm talking Essendon and Richmond when I shout out these disposals. Disposal efficiency, fourth versus 13th. Tackles, third versus sixth. Marks, ninth, 15th. And goals, second versus 10th. That's very interesting. I think that's quite telling. The Bombers are like second in the league currently for average goals scored per game. So it shows you that their forward line is actually clicking. Um, and so the Tigers' d- defense will have a, a big task ahead of them. With all that in mind, I'm picking the Bombers, mate. How about you?
1: I'm going to go the way. I'm going to say Richmond. I think that they're... I'm not ready to write Richmond off yet, is all. A few more weeks, but not yet.
0: Yeah, fair enough, mate. All right, let's run through the rest of the tips of the round. So, obviously, game one is Demons and Lions, and I'm going Ds, you're going Lions. Game two is uh, Saints and Swans, and we're both going Swannies. Game three is 15th place Crows versus 16th place Pies and currently scheduled for Adelaide Oval, but that's a uh, sort of watch this space. Uh, That's on Saturday Twilight. I'm going Crows.
1: Yeah, me too. I think wherever it's played, I don't care if they move it to the moon. Crows are going to win.
0: Fair play. That's very confident. Game four <laughs> uh, is the Bombers and the Tigers. I'm going Bombers. You're going Tigers. Game five is 13th place Blues versus 7th, 7th place Eagles at the SCG on Sunday Twilight. Um, I'm going to go Blues. They'll fix up their performance against us at the SCG this week.
1: At the SCG, okay, so the Blues have already had a had a cider on the SCG. I'm still going to go the Eagles. I'm going to give them one more chance to prove that they belong in the top eight, and this is this weekend.
0: Yeah, they'll need to bounce back, surely, um, against that um, loss at home against the Bombers. So it's going to be a tough one, but I think the Blues really need to step up as well after that loss against us. Game six, 11th place Dockers versus 2nd place Bulldogs uh, at Optus in Perth on Sunday night. I'm going the Bulldogs.
1: Yeah, me too. I don't think they'll be that ordinary two weeks in a row like they were last week against Melbourne. Yeah, Bulldogs to win.
0: Yeah. In terms of uh, the teams that have uh, a bye, so we're entering uh, the first of three bye rounds. Uh, the teams off are the Kangaroos, the Suns, the Giants, Port Power, uh, Cats and Hawks. All right. So, steve if you've got nothing else to add, do you have anything
1: else to add at this point, mate? No, that's it for me for this week. Yep.
0: Nice one. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. On behalf of the bevy, I'd like to say thank you very much for listening. We look forward to you joining us next time. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a bevy of bloods for updates and announcements. Until then, up the bloods and calm the swanies.